Please welcome back to another special edition of the Michael Deacon program. I am your host. Yes, you guessed it. I'm Michael Deacon, and I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Now in a moment, Leo Zagami will join us all the way from Palm Springs, California. He's an author and musician, a respected contributor for uh, InfoWars. Many of his books are regarded as essential, backed by popular demand indeed. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. It's good to be back. And yes, nice to see all of you in the chat room right now. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Mike Hideous. And I believe Leo Zagami is also patiently waiting. And we will be live on his program as well. So we'll be live in two different platforms right now on the Leo Zagami show and on this show that you are listening to right now. And I believe uh, Leo is out there and Mike is out there. Everyone is ready to go. So let's bring them all in. And Leo, how's it going? Very well. On my side, everything is uh, alive and kicking and uh, ready for uh, your take on things. Very nice. Thank you so much for being here. And of course, thank you, Mike, for being here as well. Very nice to have you on board. And nice to have both of you here at the same time. It's a pretty interesting time that we are experiencing right now in uh, 2020, so early on in the game. And it's another disaster, Leo. Another disaster, but uh, we all knew that it will, uh, right. will unfortunately happen. And uh, I mean, we knew that once uh, the, the Chinese didn't really stop this virus uh, in the early stages, either willing or unwilling to do it uh, for various reasons, um, I think that uh, now we are in front of an even bigger crisis because China wants to convince the world, imagine this, that they're going to give $2 billion to the World Health Organization and that means for them saving the world because then with the vaccines made in China for everyone, we will save the planet. Now, I hope that's not really the case, but unfortunately that will lead us right uh, where we uh, feared the most. The, the, the inalienable rights of the people have been infringed, but uh, not yet all of them. We still are able to live, to think in our heads for how long are we going to be able to think in our heads and for how long are we going to be able to um, express our dissent against a government, a state, when it's too oppressive of its citizens. So some people in the Vatican even are now complaining. Um, again, in particular, Archbishop Vigano is doing something with a, an official document. Uh, he's a bit of a renegade, though, in the Vatican, as you know. Right. He's very much anti-Pope Francis. Pope Francis, instead, has been the one who has uh, supported the, the, all these uh, draconian measures taken by the Italian states, but also by every other state, because uh, they have also... Uh, this new alliance with China, which is a very important alliance, an alliance that uh, uh, is uh, is born many centuries ago. I talk about actually in my latest book, Volume 4, which is uh, 
in front of me now, and it's a book with a subtitle American Renaissance 2.0 and the Missing Link from the Invisible World. And in this book, I talk about the links. I go back almost 500 years with the company of Jesus, Akka the Jesuits, and China. So uh, this is uh, in a long preparation where we are now. Uh, but the intention is always the same from the start. Uh, we have been talking about it in our books for years. We even, I mean, even myself, I mentioned the virus in more than a book, and I mentioned it in relation to the year 2020. Right. So I was pretty accurate in pinpointing uh, this. Now, there is also another tool of uh, massive control that could be unleashed. That's the fake alien invasion but we have not yet that on the horizon, at least not yet. Um, I'm going to have to ask you about that in a moment here, Leo, as we uh, progress through this conversation. But Leo, I just wanted to quickly stop you for a moment. And I know you've been on here uh, many, many times before, and we don't really need to uh, bring up your past uh, too much here into detail. But of course, for those out there who don't really know too much about you, Leo, can you tell us just a, a bit about yourself? Well, I mean, these days uh, I conduct myself as an investigative journalist and author of several books. The topics, though, that I have uh, taken on these books are mostly uh, from my past involvement with secret societies and knighthoods that are part of uh, that realm that we know as the New World Order, that uh, a mix of secret society that we commonly refer as uh, as Illuminati, we commonly call the Illuminati. And um, that's basically an involvement that came uh, to me from uh, a direct family link uh, that can happen if you are uh, born within uh, the aristocracy. So I was uh, lucky enough to follow up on that offer. I though understood after a number of years, uh, after uh, 10 years, that it wasn't really my style and my kind of life. And so at that point, uh, I built up uh, uh, a plan, a plan that uh, was eventually unveiled in 2006 when I started my first blog. And then eventually I started writing and publishing books in 2009 because uh, in 2009, uh, I got this offer in Japan, and then in 2012, I finally published my first book in, in Italy. And that was uh, after I had moved back to Italy from Norway, uh, after I was accused of espionage in Norway in 2008. So um, I was in Italy without really publishing any books. The Vatican offered me a lot of money to not publish such books in Italian. I refused, I published these <laughs> books. So in the end, I had to flee Italy last year. Right. That's why I live now in the U.S. and I broadcast here from Palm Springs. Yeah, by the way, Leo, I have to ask, you were also targeted, right? If, if I recall correctly, there was some sort of like price on your head. Well, I mean, uh, probably there is several prices on my head, but I hope <laughs> they, they never get any accomplishment. I mean, yeah. Uh, I've, uh, of course, I have very powerful enemies, but I have also very powerful friends. So I guess that we, we have to balance the two things. I have, uh, though, more enemies or more friends that I don't really know. I think that at the beginning, when I started this whole, uh, um, uh, 
revelation game of, of, of wanting to channel my past experiences in a very secretive world, uh, that was that was really difficult at the, in the early stages because uh, I was attacked by an infinity of trolls on the internet. And that's what really pushed me to start publishing books in 2009 because I said, okay, I can't really get all the credible sources, documents, and material through only through the internet because I'm getting sabotaged. So let me put it through in a more academic context uh, with uh, the format of a book. And it actually worked out. Indeed. And of course, at that point, mm -hmm. you know, the people who have been seeing me on the internet for a number of years, only following my videos, they realized there was also some consistency to what I was communicating to them. Understood. And of course, you are also a very popular contributor over at uh, InfoWars. Sure, sure. Our friends at InfoWars in Austin, and uh, maybe one day I will join them there. At the moment, I'm still here in Palm Springs. We seem to be... Um, bit slow here in the lockdown phases. Uh, I don't know if uh, we're ever going to get out of it if we follow Governor Newsom, but uh, hopefully we will. <laughs> Indeed, and you've been coming out quite often on Alex's show with with another host there. I'm forgetting his name. I also go on The World Woman with Owen Schroyer. There we go, with Owen. Yes, yes uh, Owen is a friend. I actually have a photo with him in my latest book. Uh, I cite him uh, because uh, his acts of heroism in Washington, D.C. have not gone unnoticed. Uh, and so I think that uh, Owen has done a great uh, a testimony for all of us uh, patriots uh, against uh, these uh, deep state stoo stooges that are, though, regaining uh, positions just by sabotaging the whole uh, world with their virus. So, I mean, that's unfortunate, but that's what's happening. Indeed. And speaking, I, of, speaking of which, I recall you being on with uh, Alex Jones not long ago, and at one point he's playfully asking you if you wanted uh, to take over for him uh, for a, a time or two when he was gone. I'm not sure if he was serious or not. I just thought that would be rather interesting to have you there sitting in the chair, Leo. Yeah, well, uh, what I said to Alex is that uh, it's better if I become the first full-on American citizen before I can indulge in such epic battles. Right. <laughs> before I can get, if I if I if I uh, start now, I might risk a little bit my position. Let's remember to our audience that maybe doesn't know me that last year I left Italy and uh, I left Italy because I was being persecuted. Right. Uh, both by the judiciary and by the Calabrese Mafia. That means uh, that uh, I, I risked, and I still risk if I go back, both my life or at the least I, I risk to be arrested and sentenced on uh, kangaroo court charges because that's what I experienced when I went into the court for the first time in my life. I was so disgusted by the judge and the way they were so biased against me um, that I decided that, that I didn't want to have any more anything to do with Italy or this uh, uh, ju judiciary that was obviously corrupted by regular Freemasons and the Vatican, who I was in court with officially. I mean, there was, you know, material that came out talking about Freemasons stuff, all of it, uh, because I exposed this grandmaster and this uh, sovereign commander, which you actually can still find in the English edition of this book, uh, and Nicola Tucci and uh, Mucciardi, 
but in Italy they didn't want uh, them to appear anymore and uh, they also wanted to silence me with other cases even worse than this one I mean uh, at the moment uh, in Italy I am probably a public enemy of source because uh, when the COVID-19 started this whole crisis I warned immediately what was happening at the end of January I said really be careful Italians because the situation here is going to get out of control very fast and uh, everything that I predicted that came into fruition unfortunately and uh, also what I had predicted many years ago about the present government and who they were connected with because of course I had exposed their connections. You see, the people who are ruling now Italy, they are creations, let's say, sort of lab creations of Obama. Obama and Hillary Clinton, when they were in charge, they crafted this new five-star movement in Italy. They continued to direct uh, uh, the new phases of the Democratic Italian Party with Matteo Renzi. And all these people, of course, uh, I was uh, at one point uh, uh, challenging them politically after the publication of my books. I didn't stop only um, to present these books in a, let's say, researcher, uh, doing some research and presenting it to his audience. These books were truly revolutionary for their content in Italy, especially in a land that was struck by 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 things like the P2 or uh, other episodes uh, uh, that, of course, gained the national attention uh, uh, in the Vatican, the disappearance of Emanuele Orlandi and many other things. So when I published these books, revealing also and showing certain documents, uh, it didn't, they didn't really go down that easy. I mean, <laughs> they, they went really heavy on me. And so, right. uh, but I, at that point, uh, Politically in 2013, participated to the political game. I was unfortunately defeated because they sabotaged me. And then I went on with the Speechforks revolution, which was a sort was the, the people who inspired the Yellow Vest. So a sort of grassroots movement, revolution, slash civil unrest. I mean, you, you find it as civil unrest in Italy on Wikipedia. So I guess this is civil unrest. Uh, and, and that was silenced completely by the institution because I was uh, silenced uh, forcefully by the Tavistock Institute that locked me up because they also have representatives in Italy and work with Matteo Renzi. Imagine that their offices are in Florence. The Tavistock Institute uh, has offices in Florence in the back of a bank. And, um, and so this is the situation. Italy is uh, unfortunately in the hands of the Jesuits because they have always been in the hands of the Vatican, even if in theory they separated the two things and uh, the, 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 the state and religion thing should be uh, two different things. The, the way Italy has absorbed the Vatican state has made, made a lot of compromises, even in their own constitution and in the so-called Lateran Pacts that were renewed also by cracks in their liaise. So these pacts between the Vatican and Italy managed to protect the Vatican from a lot of investigations, uh, also regarding their own Vatican bank, because all hell breaks loose when uh, there is the involvement of the Vatican bank. Now, um, I went uh, on the forum the other day to discuss, uh, in fact, uh, the latest statements of the head of the Dicasteri of the Economy for the Vatican, this Jesuit, 
who talked about the fact that they, they're going to be making less money because of COVID-19. But that's, as I said, an excuse because imagine this, they had 90, what they did, they had a big amount of money, which is Peter Spence, the money of the faithful, and they gambled 90% of it and they almost lost all of it. Yes, and, and go ahead, Leo, sorry. And that is like okay. a big deal because now uh, the Vatican is trying to cover it up in one way or another because, I mean, this is money taken from the faithful and having invested it in, in ways that were not really... They Imagine that they are trying to make a deal even with this building, 250 million building they bought in London that finally, apparently now, they got some permit by the London Council there and they can uh, start uh, using it and building uh, property, they develop the property so they can recover part of the money. I mean, these are big, big investments, but remember that the Vatican and London have always had this connection, and that's why we found that uh, Roberto Calvi, the gangster from the P2 Lodge, uh, hanged upside down on the Blackfriars Bridge. Whoa, whoa, what? In the uh, early 80s, when there was the scandal of the, of the P2 and the Vatican Bank has lost a lot of money, this uh, Italian uh, head of uh, the Bank Ambrosiano got uh, eventually killed, though they said it was suicide initially during the course of the investigation that lasted uh, decades. It, they, they, eventually, uh, they eventually got uh, the confirmation that it was an assassination, an assassination carried by several prominent members of these uh, institutions that are around the uh, Freemasonry at certain levels, which is not common Freemasonry. I'm not talking here about the common folk that joins Freemasonry. Now, we have um, an interesting interview coming up on my channel on Thursday uh, with the founder of the P3 Lodge, who, was, uh, who is Licio Gellisere. And so it's uh, definitely an interesting interview. So I advise you to tune in for that. Nice. I, I definitely will. And Leo, you also have another show that you conduct, I believe, on Sundays, correct? The Pew. Well, we used to conduct a show. We had 13 episodes, but we, uh -oh. we actually had like a, a specified number of segments uh, of episodes that we will carry on. There was 13. That was the initial deal. So we did that. Uh, unfortunately, I tell you the truth, there is uh, very little possibilities that we go back with the same team because it's very difficult to find the balance between Christian and Jews in a oh, show no. that wants to bring that balance. At times, uh, there was uh, some conflict. Some conflict. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, what, what exactly happened, Leo? If you can, you don't have to go into detail, but. Yeah, it, it, like, I, I mean, it was. It was, it was conflict. Okay. It was in, the, in front of, it was public. I mean, the Pew went on for, 12, for 13 episodes and we conducted ourselves very much in the open. I mean, apart from the fact that there was no money made out of this show. So it wasn't a show that was built out of financial gain. So the, the, the actual uh, uh, project was to uh, present a panel for the end times. I mean, you yourself with your voice even participated in a way because you, I remember you doing the jingle for it. And, uh, and what happened though was that at one point, uh, uh, this uh, aspiring rabbi who is not a rabbi who, who is uh, in a transmission he started to be too overly anti-Christian so I said 
please moderate the tones no in private just to uh, because we need to become uh, kind of like we need to become more understanding of each other if we want this whole thing to carry on in a diplomatic way without creating friction with especially when you know i have like an ordained priest on one side agnostic christian on the other uh, an ordained priest who is also openly gay. But that's a good, uh, that's a good form. Star, yeah. Uh, like Uzamba. I mean, it's not an easy thing to put all these uh, elements together and, uh, and always make them work. But the show was very successful in the sense that people liked it and they want more of it. And we were actually also transmitting at the end also on Rosanne's Bar official channel. And that was a great uh, opportunity. But unfortunately, the thing is that uh, we, I mean, we need to find a way to be a little bit more uh, honest and clear with each other. There is the possibility of uh, going all together towards these end times in which we can sure, understand sure. things that you know, we have in common. Otherwise, we can go all towards the abyss, uh, shouting at each other, saying, oh, you're right. No, you're wrong. And this is well, this. Is I mean, <laughs> Some I, people like that, though, Leo. That, that, I mean, that's a great formula to have. If you guys could have kept it civil and sort of, you know, went at each other at times, that would have been fun. I mean, we are actually looking into the future of producing another 13 shows, maybe next year, uh, with a different team. Uh, the, the, the actual concept, though, was 13 because it's also 13 as a number that symbolizes death, transmutation, and actually the last episode was broadcast on both my channel and Rosanne's bar channel on Easter Day. She didn't show up for some mysterious reason. We don't know yet why. We never understood. Um, and then after that... Uh, uh, the, the, the whole thing was pretty clear to us that uh, there was some problem in the way that the Christian faction of the show was perceived by the Jewish faction of the show. I wanted to be a little bit above the two factions and try to be a little bit diplomatic with all of them, but it's not easy and uh, we will try again in the future, but in the meantime it was a great experience. Wow. Okay. I understand now. And I'm kind of surprised, Leo, about your channel still being up on YouTube. It seems like everyone's being censored or uh, yeah, everyone's beginning uh, to get there, censored. Yeah, but there is a reason. This channel was officially uh, registered uh, in Italy uh, um, a few years ago with an official publishing company and everything. After that was dropped when the demonity, uh, we were amongst the first ones to be demonetized in right. 2016, okay? Maybe even earlier. Uh, between 2015 and 2016, we started to be demonetized. At that point, uh, the publisher that was in charge, um, which was working with us, because it was not only for YouTube, the, the, the programs were produced in Italy by me and my production team, and then spread through a variety of channels, even before we had the, the possibility of today of live streaming. Uh, this was a bit more professional back then, no? Right. Uh, unfortunately, the problem is that uh, they demonetized us. So that, though, uh, still uh, doesn't appear to uh, the YouTube officials, because for the YouTube officials, that is a channel sanctioned under Italian law. So uh, as Europe is a little bit delayed on the censorship on YouTube by a couple of years because of all their privacy laws, 
Uh, we think that as the real, the real, uh, the real angiogamy channel can survive probably an extra two years in respect to the ones that are registered here in the United States. And we'll jump into COVID-19 in a moment here. And I believe Mike had a question. Mike, jump in here. Ah, uh, can you hear me all right? Loud and clear. Go ahead. Okay. Signor Zigami, come sta? Yeah, very well. Bene. Molto bene. Bene, bene. Um, may I call you Leo? Yeah, sure. Who am I talking with? So I have also the pleasure to introduce you for my audience. Yes. My name, my name ahead, is Mike. Mike. I am the co-host for the Michael Deacon program. Okay, perfect. Uh, nice to meet you then. Nice to meet you. My, nice to meet you. I have a question for you. Um, you've, you've been in the, in the United States for how long? Uh, one year tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> being in Sorry. the country, I, I have. I, I'd like to ask you: being in your country, in in this country, what is your opinion of President Trump and the American government in 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 opposition to Italy? Well, I was uh, one of the first people to sustain uh, President Trump even before he was elected, because uh, when uh, Alex Jones came to Rome in 2015, we kind of uh, decided to endorse him. And uh, I founded in Italy a group called Italians for Trump with uh, very important people, uh, future uh, deputy in the European government, uh, Antonio Maria Rinaldi, Professor Antonio Maria Rinaldi, uh, Gianmario Ferramonti, uh, Alfredo Esposito, who is a big representative in the Knights of Malta. I mean, there was a variety of people that uh, were giving their support. The Knights of Malta had big problems because of their support uh, with uh, Trump. Uh, and so these big problems became so very perceived when uh, the, the grandmaster who just died uh, took over the, the show uh, once the Pope decided that the Knights of Malta were tending too much towards supporting Trump. So imagine what kind of conflicts that they were. I supported the Trump with the, this Italian for Trump organization, and when there was the uh, oath taken on the 20th of January 2017, I was organizing uh, an event with 200 people in front of the embassy, of the American embassy in Via Veneto, and another event in Palazzo Ferraioli, which is one of the most beautiful buildings in Rome, in front of the Italian parliament, and I actually left out of the building politicians and cardinals that I disliked, <laughs> but it was a very <laughs> exclusive event. All right. the Italian TVs were there. Um, people were happy that there was a change. I was, of course, uh, for the first time given the possibility of going back on Italian TV after I had been censored since 2014, after the Pitchfork Revolution. So as you can see, there was a little bit of an opening here. But of course, the Italians then were uh, in bed with the enemy because uh, that's where, from that environment, then not mine, but the environment of the Italian Democratic Party and the Jesuits came the Russian hoax with Professor Misfood and the people in the Link Campus University. And I know that university very well because Antonio Marinaldi, one of the co-founders of Italians for Trump, used to be in the, in the Link Campus the Link uh, University uh, in, in, in Rome, which is this very university, which is also, though, at times used by intelligence operatives and NATO operatives. So, um, so, so ultimately, so ultimately, you say you say the American government is good, Trump is good. Let me ask no, you no, this. Maybe you understand that I had to flee Italy a year ago exactly because a year ago exactly the day I flee Italy, five people were um, removed at the Italian intelligence. And the scandal of the Obamagate came out. 
I am involved with this kind of thing, and up to a certain extent, I can talk now about it. But I am safely here in the United States, thanks to President Donald J. Trump. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned. Um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Obama again. We have audio of uh, some of that right now, Mike. But go ahead. Just one last follow-up yeah, question. So, so, uh, what would you say to those in America who seem to think that President Trump is a liar, that he is a bad president, that he's doing r- things that are wrong, and that they don't see anything? wrong with the 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 former obama administration what would you say to the people who are anti-trump today well it's a the the they are obviously if they're anti-trump or they're pro-biden or pro-sanders these are agents of china and russia i mean i didn't come to the usa to become a communist so i hope that trump <laughs> stays in power and uh, I would like people who dislike Trump to go and live in Italy for a while so they can have also the police knocking at the, at the door for a Facebook post like I had. Nice. When I was living there. That's pretty well wild. said. Well said. Well said. Very good. That's pretty wild so, stuff. <laughs> and that's unfortunately oh, yes. experience that me and my wife have to suffer, you know, on a daily basis. Nowadays, every Italian has suffered the same experience because of the COVID-19 repression. But I suffered that uh, even when there was no COVID-19. Wow. Pretty nuts. And, of course, for those that want to uh, hear more about this, we have an audio clip here. Let's play that for you, Leo and uh, Mike. I'm sure both of you will find this um, entertaining. Indeed. You know, it usually is quite an entertaining. Mr. President, in one of your Mother's Day tweets, you appear to accuse President Obama of the biggest political crime in American history by far. Those were your words. What crime exactly are you accusing President Obama of committing? And do you believe the Justice Department should prosecute him? Uh, Obamagate. It's been going on for a long time. What is the crime exactly that Uh, you're accusing him of? You know what the crime is. The crime is very obvious to everybody. All you have to do is read the newspapers except yours. Some aspects of the matter are being examined as potential crimes. Now, as to President Obama and Vice President Biden, whatever their level of involvement, based on the information I have today, I don't expect Mr. Durham's work will lead to a criminal investigation of either man. Attorney General Barr says he is unlikely to have any criminal investigation of either Barack Obama or Joe Biden. You've been talking about what you call the greatest political crime uh, in American history. What do you think of Mr. Barr's decision here? Well, I think if it was me, they would do it. I think uh, for them, maybe they're not going to. I don't know. I'm surprised because uh, Obama knew everything that was happening. I don't, But I think Obama and Biden knew about it. Uh, they were participants, but... Uh, so I'm a little surprised by that statement. But if it was me, I guarantee they'd be going after me. Uh, in his case, uh, they're not. So I think it's just a continuation of a double standard. I'm surprised by it. I'm surprised by it. But really no doubt that Obama and Biden were involved. And uh, as to whether or not it was criminal, I would think it would be uh, very serious, very, very serious. Uh, and uh, But I'm going to let the attorney general make all of those decisions. I- so we'll see what happens. But I rely on the attorney general. He's a very honorable man. Yeah, I'm not quite sure to uh, make of all of this, Leo and Mike. We've never uh, seen something like this happen before, where a president is uh, speaking about a past president who perhaps maybe even spied on his entire campaign before he even took the chair. I believe yeah, but 100%. I think, uh, 
The problem here is that Durham and Bar are going to go nowhere because, unfortunately, it goes into state secrets that can't be discussed. So it's just pointless. What a shame. What a shame. It, it, it makes me so angry that they got away with what they did. It, it is un-American. It is obnoxious. It is repulsive, and I, I really wish that they would pay for what they did to this president and the country and the American people. That's pretty ridiculous, really. And, of course, I do have one more clip to uh, play for you both uh, once more. This time it's our friend Nancy Pelosi. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, she was um, calling uh, Trump obese, by the way. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> you heard, have you heard that, Leo? I heard that today. No comment. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't think that... I don't know so, what's wrong with her. I mean, I think that uh, Nancy Peruzzi really is it's like uh, another injection of something and she, her face is going to blow away from the wind. I agree. She looks like a ghoul, no doubt. Let, let's run the audio. Yeah, that Nancy Peruzzi. Well, this was started with the president's comments about that anti-malarial drug, hydroxychloroquine. Madam Speaker, what's your reaction to the president saying that he is now taking hydroxychloroquine? Um, are you concerned? Well, Why first let me say how happy I am about your new baby, how lovely, oh, Wyatt, Wyatt, how perfectly named. Uh, we all know why that is, and how, congratulations. And as you as you now are father, you see how important it is to keep the world safe for the children, for oh the, children. Um, the children. As far as the president <laughs> is concerned, um, the uh, our, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been been approved uh, by the scientists, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So morbidly I, I, uh, obese. I, I, I think it's, it's not a good idea. Yeah, that's Nancy Pelosi. She's the one with the ice cream collection in the fridge. <laughs> she has the biggest ice cream collection in San Francisco, wherever she is. Nish in the, uh, Nish in the uh, chat room says, Nancy gives me nightmares, and I agree. Oh, it's the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> I mean, she was hanging out uh, with the John Fitzgerald Kennedy. I mean, guys, uh, that was a few years ago. I mean, she's like a dinosaur, something out of a museum. I agree, Leo. Yeah. My she goodness. should be the one that talk. You know, a couple of weeks ago, she couldn't have cared. When they were doing that whole impeachment thing, she could have cared less if President Trump lived or died. Now, all of a sudden, she's concerned that he's taken this medication as a, as a prophylactic. I mean, come on. She's, she's such a hypocrite. I can't stand that woman. Well, I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the Democratic Party and Governor Cuomo, for example, with his whole business concerning uh, the failures uh, of uh, the way he has treated this whole COVID-19 crisis uh, by sending uh, people who were not ill or people instead that had COVID-19 in the same place, like his old people's home became uh, basically places where people died uh, in a way that they shouldn't have died. So, I mean, the responsibility of the Democrats, uh, uh, especially Cuomo in, in that kind of thing, it's, it's, it's a big responsibility. And then he had his brother instead who, who was playing the victim of this disease on TV and then he was running around during the day and he ended up having an argument with his neighbor while he was supposed to be having a quarantine. And that is uh, the Cuomo brothers for you. And they're supposed to be the saviors of the Democrat Party. 
I mean, so that's it for you. The Democrat Party is finished, dead. It's, 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 they, have to do, they have to do something. If they want to have bipartisanship in the U.S., they should found another party and just close down the Democratic Party. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, they seem to have access to Satan and cyber Satan more than anyone else. And because... Uh, uh, the elections will be probably conducted by Cyber Satan himself because they were, <laughs> if they're conducted by mail like they're conducted here in California, of course, so the Democrats could actually put the good old Sleepy Joe in oh, charge. No. Oh, good old Sleepy Joe gave an interview yesterday, it was pretty embarrassing. His phone started to ring, <laughs> then there was another guy creeping from behind watching, then there was a bird making a noise. And he was like, uh, I mean, this guy should be in an old folks home, really. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's embarrassing. But is it, I mean, is it really? And then, of course, we have his son. Where is Hunter? Hunter and Biden. He was the guy who was uh, connected with, uh, with China. But also, now we have new revelations in the last 24 hours from Ukraine, uh, Poroshenko, concerning Biden. So, I mean... I really, Biden should just give up on the whole thing. But of course, if he gives up, who, who is going to candidate himself? I mean, then at that point, of course, we have uh, Hillary Clinton that's hoping to uh, resurface as vice president, chosen by somebody. And that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really nightmare scenario what we have with the Democrats. I agree with you, no doubt. I'm sure Mike can agree with you as well on that. Um, yeah. The Democrats are, are left with Joe Biden of all people, Mike. I know. Isn't that sad? I'm not saying here that, uh, you know, politics is uh, now the realm of justice and the divine uh, credibility. But still, here in the U.S., uh, we have a president who is uh, at least opposing uh, the status quo. And the status quo in this case uh, is uh, following uh, the COVID-1984 delirium until the end. And so never-ending lockdown. It seems like that. And by the way, Leo, just to be perfectly honest with you and Mike and the audience, and I've said this before, you know, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not uh, politically affiliated to any party uh, whatsoever. But it's definitely uh, strange to sit back and, and see the Democrats uh, the last 10 years or a little bit more and seeing how badly they have fallen all these years, Leo. Well, I mean, it's not I think that they're simply representing more and more their Jesuit uh, backing. Uh, the Jesuits have been backing both uh, uh, the, the, the Democrats and in a way the neocons of, uh, of George Bush, father and son, and Jeb Bush, of course, uh, which became also a very important connection with the, the Vatican for the Bush family. Uh, these people have never made really the interest of the U.S. They made the interest of China from the time uh, that Kissinger became with uh, Nixon, the guy in charge, uh, the gatekeeper of China. That's uh, how the whole thing uh, then unveiled on the world. And then we became... Uh, the victims of a globalism that, of course, uh, uh, gave China the, the, this uh, uh, privileged position because, and also a very dangerous position because the moment in which they are fabricating uh, even your medicines and they are acting now like they are the ones who have uh, done nothing wrong because President Xi Jinping has gone, has had the courage two days ago to go publicly and say, 
we're going to give two billion. Uh, we have done nothing wrong. We have done everything perfect. We had warned everybody when it was so they were supposed to be warned. When we know that they lied and lied and lied, that two months before uh, they knew everything, and they, of course, they might even have unleashed it willingly at one point because they, 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 like the U.S. intelligence is stating, they have sent people around using planes. Uh, just like uh, bioweapons spreading bombs spreading all over the place. Right. It's, right. it's insane. It's, it's insane. And the whole thing probably, like I've been saying uh, for a while, has been structured secretly by an artificial intelligence takeover, which in China is already leading the Communist Party. Because Communist Party doesn't have a soul or a constitution like the American, uh, you know, politicians. They have a brainless belief in the communist system. Now, the communist system can be easily substituted in, at the apex by an artificial intelligence, and they want to become leaders of this artificial intelligence by 2030. Yes, we've been seeing this sort of movement going on, a cashless society, per se, Oh, that's a society, yes. of course, but that's nothing. It's a society that is monitored, uh, controlled. Sure. The, the facial recognition is present in every corner of your city. Uh, it's becoming a smart city. So, for example, this is happening here in California, in places like San Diego, who yes. that have 600,000 cameras already uh, using, uh, increasingly using biometrics and stuff, and becoming officially a smart city. So, it's about deciding, do we want to go the way of the herd, which is the so-called smart, and it starts with smartphone, it ends up with a microchip, and it passes through you living in a smart city with a number controlled in, in a society, of course, which is increasingly soulless, because the moment in which is ruled more and more by artificial intelligence, what will become evident will, will be like in those dystopian sci-fi movies, the soulless element of this society. It's, it's, a, total, oh, it's, it's a total sign of, of tyranny. Sign of tyranny, of course, because uh, artificial intelligence uh, doesn't uh, really have the same idea that we have about human beings. Uh, they are uh, there to maximize the levels uh, of gain and uh, minimize any risk. And of course, uh, they want to end up probably promoting uh, cannibalism, which is something that San Diego has done actually since last year. What? Really? They have a museum. Yeah, talk about it in my latest book, actually, in volume four. They have uh, inaugurated a museum dedicated to cannibalism, and they promote it. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, I'm not far from, <laughs> I'm not far from San Diego, by the way, Mike. <laughs> go check. You go there if you want. I can send you the address. I mean, yeah. Michael, go to that museum. You got to see that museum. If, I mean, you got to check it out. I mean, if it's open, you know, I'll definitely go check it out. No doubt. Now that you bring it up, Leo. Absolutely. It's up. I mean, it's, uh, I think the. Probably now with this COVID-19 scare, I mean, sure. you are in Southern California after all, so everything is shut. Everything's so. shut, yeah. Uh, what's your experience on your side of California? Well, Leo, it's been pretty, not, not, not like everywhere else, not like San Diego, not like uh, New York, not like Florida. It's been very calm out here. There hasn't been too many 
uh, people yeah. croaking from uh, COVID-19. Lots of people have recovered out here. There's only been, you know, the last time I checked, the numbers were probably around 15, 16, and uh, 309 people uh, recovered. So, I mean, we're not exactly being hit very hard out here in uh, El Centro, California. I'm about an hour away from you, Leo, from Palm yeah. Springs. And the lockdown, is it, it seems like it's not going to end anytime soon, it appears. Uh, we've even had uh, different reports out there saying uh, COVID-19 is not going to go away for a long time. And uh, this is the quote-unquote new normal. That's what we keep hearing from the mainstream media. Out the mainstream media of California. You can yeah. imagine uh, who they are being taking the, you know, their orders from. That's right. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure that being safe is better than sorry, but they are exaggerating and putting the whole economy at a standstill. And of course, uh, what Elon Musk has done is in a way a challenge that uh, he has won because he's strong. He, economically, he has uh, really. Uh, uh, demonstrated that you can challenge a whole state if you have the money. I'm going to bring my business elsewhere. So what are you going to do? <laughs> That's right. So then, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. So the numbers are, are low out here, Leo, and things are starting to um, perhaps slowly open up. Um, bit by bit out here, and that's a that's a good thing. From the fact that, uh, for example, where I am, I don't yes. know where you are, but here we are in the middle of the desert, and there is no virus that can survive the temperatures that we have here daily. Uh, but uh, apart from that, I think that it's uh, it's uh, going to happen again. Unfortunately, like you said, maybe further on this, the so-called second the wave. Second wave, right? Maybe they will genetically modify in some way. I don't know. They will uh, create. Uh, the ultimate uh, COVID-19, uh, which will be at that point COVID-20, and uh, and we will be all uh, uh, in, in, in again into a lockdown that at that point uh, might become uh, really dangerous. So this test, uh, of course, this test that has been run on mankind has showed also uh, these people um, how to build their artificial intelligence thanks to data. And that is what they really want, because artificial intelligence eats data. It's like you need data to feed an artificial intelligence and make it the number one artificial intelligence. So right. the data that COVID-19 uh, patients and the crisis and all the various apps, trackings and all the, the mm -hmm. rest that go along with that have generated so much data and that's what, really what they want. Even the, 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 uh, the drones that fly or the robot dogs, anything is made to ultimately generate data. That info, yes. That's what they want, that data. Just like on Facebook as well. Like facial recognition. That too. A year, ago, a year ago, people could still put a mask uh, in Hong Kong and maybe not get recognized. And that's why people were carrying themselves in Hong Kong when they were uh, fighting against China. Nowadays, that's impossible because now the facial recognition has improved to a level that they can recognize even with a mask. So at that point, you can't um, even hide. Yeah, that's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Big Brother is coming true. Indeed, Mike, indeed. And again, things are slowly opening up out here in California where I'm at. But I'm still baffled, Leo, by a lot of the children that have gone through this sort of strange reaction to COVID-19 where their skin appears to be terribly, terribly uh, inflamed, it seems, Leo. What do you mean? They inflamed the, the number of... Uh, no, their, see, the, their the, skin. The, the kids, they're having this um, strange thing yeah, with their skin, well, but, but who really knows? This, listen, uh, we have a few cases, maybe a hundred. Yeah, not, not many cases. 
Right. It's the, the, the Kawasaki, however you want to call oh, it. Yeah, the Kawasaki. <laughs> now that company's going to lose business now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like, <laughs> it goes back into the 80s made in Japan. Right. Uh, kind of frenzy, Suzuki versus Kawasaki. Well, um, the problem is, of course, uh, there is going to be side effects of something that we don't really know because they never have really been honest also about uh, the different strains. They have always said, okay, maybe there is five, maybe there is 30, maybe there is this and that. But each strain seems to act differently. Sure. And, and so if you don't really uh, then identify those strains and differentiate those strains, because some of them are completely innocuous and they're not worth stopping a whole state if you have a strain that gives you uh, maybe a cough or just a, a little uh, flu symptom. And, and so... That is the problem here, that they have also uh, overly exaggerated the numbers to try and get the COVID-19 uh, label for every single disease in the country. So even if you have a heart attack, you're going to the hospital, they're going to have to take a tampon for COVID-19. COVID-19, right. That, or anything like that means that any sickness, uh, it's just branded as COVID-19 because they get money out of the patients that have COVID-19. They get thousands of I, dollars more. I have to Go say in there, something. Mike. Go ahead. Um, my father, I mentioned this to you the other day, Michael. My right. father had gotten sick, and we thought he might have been infected with COVID-19. Yeah. It turns out that um, we had uh, figured out that he had uh, either a UTI or a bladder infection. So, uh, my brother took him to the doctor today. Now, my brother, you've never, you don't know who my brother is. He's a very headstrong person. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you, you, it's very hard to match wits with him. Um, so he takes my pop to the doctor and he tells the doctor, you know, we're pretty sure he's got a bladder infection. Uh, he doesn't have the symptoms of COVID-19, although he did have fever. He did have um, uh, some pains in the back, but no nausea, no diarrhea, nothing like that. Okay, so – and we know this because the woman who cares for my father is a retired nurse. So uh, takes him to the doctor. He had to fill out 45 minutes worth of paperwork, number one. Now, my father's going to be 89 next month, and – Obviously, he's a candidate for, uh, you know, the potential of getting infected by the by the virus. Right. So the doctor says to my brother, well, you know, let's test him for COVID-19. And my brother's like, well, you don't have to because I'm almost ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure he doesn't have COVID-19. He's got a bladder infection. And well, let's do it anyway. So my brother says to the doctor, well, you know what? Go ahead and do it. How much, by the way, how much are they paying you to test my father for something he doesn't have? Wow. And the doctor didn't take very kindly to that, as my brother told me today. So, yes, what you just said, they're, they're, there's, they're testing everybody for, uh, the possibility of having the, uh, virus. And at the same time, from what I understand, they're actually getting paid 
to do these tests. Yeah, that, that is uh, because in the end they they, they want to uh, just exaggerate with the numbers to just uh, justify the lockdowns, and so and and then at the same time they they, they are of course uh, the doctors they're making money because they're probably given money to both endorse the test and uh, and cure the patients in hospitals, uh, something like fourteen thousand dollars for a patient of COVID nineteen. That's right. So, I mean, we're talking about uh, a lot of money when you start piling up hundreds of people. So, I think that uh, there is, of course, economical interest here at work, but most of all, there is the interest to experiment this form of uh, uh, mass control that has not been experimented for many decades in the Western world, because of the limitations of rights that we have during this pandemic are uh, at times uh, more draconian than the ones in use during the Second World War in countries where bars, restaurants and other places were never closed during those wars or during pandemics. We have had Woodstock, the biggest festival of of the hippie generation that happened in the midst of the Hong Kong virus pandemic, which was similar, always coming up from the same area of the world, maybe not the same kind of thing, but it was definitely a virus that killed a hundred thousands Americans. So imagine that. That's pretty wild. This whole situation is bizarre, uh, Leo and Mike. Again, 2020 is, is a rather screwed up year, not only for Americans, but everyone around the globe. Right. Thank you, China. Well, I mean, screwed up. It is a year that represents things at both a geopolitical level, but also at a religious level. And so it has, uh, uh, it's, it's very difficult for people to get the full picture if they don't have a wide preparation, both in eschatology, so in, those, in that branch of of the Bible, of the secret scriptures in general, that uh, uh, talk about these times, but also in many other religions that always have talked about these times in which there will be certain elements that will make you recognize we are in these times. Now, for the Christians, those elements are easily found in the, the Gospel of St. John of Patmos. Uh, when he was in Patmos, he had this revelation, and this revelation became his vision of the future. And that vision of the future includes the mark of the beast, which now with Bill Gates, but also with laws coming in uh, with numbers 66666, uh, Bill Gates doing, uh, uh, transforming the human body in a depository for digital currency with uh, 60606, and this number repeats, you see. That's why I'm very happy that I published last year my book, Volume 6.66, which actually was almost prophetic because uh, in the back cover there is me in the middle of the symbol of the World Health Organization. (laughs) <laughs> Indeed. I, I hope you don't take one of these vaccines, Leo or Mike, once they are released. I, I personally have to take uh, some vaccines, of course, uh, to be able to um, apply for my citizenship here in the U.S. Right. Um, I hope that I'm not going to be forced for uh, this uh, reason also to take any other vaccines. Uh, though at the moment, from what I know, I passed my medicine exam, so I should be fine. Very good. Very good. I, I just hope it doesn't come down to that, Leo and, and Mike. 
that we will be like, forced to be vaccinated. That's one thing. When, when I went to get vaccinated, I just went with the mindset that, uh, of course, I was lucky because I, I was in the military. I had a lot of vaccines already made back in the military and uh, other things. But uh, um, I, I considered it uh, uh, something that I had to do. And I went uh, just with the spirit. Uh, I can't go back to Italy. I will get killed. So just give me these injections and whatever. Because <laughs> there is no alternative. You know, there is no going back. So it's like you don't have a choice. You don't. It's a mess. The virus is mutating. I remember as... there was in one place I went, there was a guy from Mexican guy. He was running off the, the medical center, refusing himself the vaccine. And he was a Mexican guy. He was trying to get his immigration stuff. So I don't know how right. that worked out, but he literally ran. <laughs> oh, you know. So people I don't blame are aware, him. I guess, of the dangers of these vaccines. But I don't blame him. I don't blame him. But you have, of course, ways of fighting the negative effects. Now, zinc is a great way, and there is many other uh, things that you can use to counteract the negative effects. Right. The thing with the vaccine is, the vi- uh, as we've talked earlier here, the virus is mutating and has many times already. Yeah, this vaccine is a completely different ballgame because this is not even a vaccine that they want to... It's not like going to be an ordinary vaccine. It's probably going to be done with a microdot tattoo. That's right. inside uh, yourself a tracking system of some kind. A lot of people want to have uh, basically the passport, immune passport data uh, within themselves without having losing this passport around uh, immune passport because they they will be required uh, to have this immune passport to go through states to go through other countries so um, there is going to be limitations for people who decide not to take these vaccines but uh, whatever the limitations are I don't care I'm going to take them I don't want to if uh, I'm fine now with what I did uh, in my life. I think I had enough vaccines and I had them, of course, forcefully always because uh, you are forced, you know, either when you are uh, subject to a law by the state like we were in Italy in the 70s. In Italy, we were forced uh, to, vac- to be vaccinated. We didn't have a choice. Yeah, and that might be something that's going to happen to all of us out here. We might not have a choice. If you want to return back to work, they might uh, force that upon you. If you're not vaccinated, you can't go back to work. I think we might even be moving into that. And I know microchipping is quite popular out there in Sweden. But you see, then all this can be interpreted in a political way or can be interpreted in the religious. And then you understand the implications. Mm-hmm. Here. The, the religious implications, right. Implications. You know, go ahead, Mike. You know, not for nothing, but humanity has lived through a lot of things. And right, right. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that forcing a vaccine on, on the people would be a, a bad idea. Um, I, I, I think it should be optional, number one. And I think that eventually humanity, uh, humanity can be very resilient in some cases, especially when there's that herd, um, uh, what do they call it? The herd. Uh, immunity, immunity, right. immunity, right? Okay. Well, I um, think it depends who wins the next elections because if you have <laughs> a Democrat in charge, you will be forced and you will be tracked, and they will do what they're doing here already in California, in some places uh, where they are actually uh, placing orders and removing you from your home. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, that's, that's how the New World Order operates. It right. is what we have been saying for uh, over 20 years, people like me and Alex. 
So now it is coming into fruition. We have to identify uh, the ways of defeating it or the ways of avoiding it. Now, I think that in the long run, the only way of avoiding all this is avoiding the big cities that will become smart cities and smart they will cities, become right. uh, trapped, uh, tra- uh, traps uh, set up by the AI for identification. And, for, and so at that, that point, if you want to avoid that reality, then you have to create another reality. And that's why I believe in some predictions that have said that towards 2023 to 2025, some states in the U.S. could make the decision to become separate from the others because there will be indeed such divisions in the way they want right. to carry their own policies that they will become apparent uh, that they can't live anymore in the unity called United States of America. But I hope that's not the case. But unfortunately, it could seem so. Well, hopefully America learns from this pandemic or plandemic, especially New York. The people are stacked upon each other like a Wuhan wet uh, market there, Leo. The 11, 11 million people in New York City. All stacked up against each other, and the buildings block the sun. Let's be honest here. Uh, we, we don't need any more of these uh, elevator cities, as Lilith said in the chat room. And I agree. Um, hopefully, this is a wake-up call to everyone out there. Well, to redesign, you mean the cities in a more, in a different way? Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing, that the wake-up call of the future, unfortunately, will be, oh, we have the solution for you. Oh, it's a beautiful solution. Oh, it's a green solution. It's a smart city. Here we go. Boom. And so that right. is really what they're already planning. So They're planning it, but not in the right way. Be, huh? I said they're but, planning it, but not in the, in the best way for the American people, sadly. It's not for the American people only, it's right. for the people of this whole planet that uh, are, are, are meant to be entrapped by a system that in the end wants to control the world by 2030. That's why the UN has ultimately called their new agenda, Agenda 2030. Now, in Agenda 2021, it's already here, meaning that it was based on something that will happen by the year 2021. They couldn't make it happen. They couldn't make it happen. So what did they do? They unleashed a virus on the world that made it happen. Because Wild. Stop the pollution. Stop everything. The riots. Fall, the protesting what? right. Well, they, they actually, actually planned the whole thing at the MIT, at the Massachusetts Institute of Technologies back in the early 70s. They had already envisioned with artificial intelligence the next few years of mankind. And from there on, they simply worked on a series of projections. Do you think that these people were acting without having projected everything already? Oh, yes. They're strategic, no doubt, Leo. It's never a coincidence. All these things are always planned ahead, unfortunately. Well, also be- because, uh, like uh, you said earlier in the show, I come from that background. I know how they work. I know how they wanted to operate in this moment uh, for humanity for many years. I mean, that's the advantage that I have personally as an author or as a journalist compared to other people in my uh, work is that I actually were, was there with them for a period of time to understand what they were really doing. And that was uh, very much uh, the danger uh, for me uh, because in Europe, uh, these people have their headquarters of evil. Understood. And Leo, I'm glad you brought up the New World Order. Automatically, my mind shifted back into time, back to 1991 uh, with uh, George Bush, who gave his famous speech about the New World Order. And I found a clip of that for you, uh, Leo. Uh, This one's for you, Leo. I thought I'd roll this audio 
Uh, especially for those out there who have never heard this before. And hearing this back, it really puts things into uh, proper context for everyone out there. Uh, Mike, are you ready for this too? I'm pretty sure I've heard this before, but yeah, go ahead and play it. No problem, Mike. Here we go. Certain that we stand at a defining hour. Halfway around the world, we are engaged in a great struggle in the skies and on the seas and sands. We know why we're there. Diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. Peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. Such is a world worthy of our struggle and worthy of our children's future. If it is possible, I want to continue to build a lasting basis for U.S.-Soviet cooperation for a more peaceful future for all mankind. The triumph of democratic ideas in Eastern Europe and Latin America and the continuing struggle for freedom elsewhere all around the world all confirm the wisdom of our nation's founders. Tonight, we work to achieve another victory. A victory over tyranny and savage aggression. There we go. And Mike, go ahead. Chime in. Uh, all I was going to say is not only is uh, that one word where he that one phrase when he says new world order, that's a, uh, a sample in one of the ministry songs. Um, but there that also <laughs> when he does that, it reminds me of the emperor from Star Wars talking oh, yes. about a new world order <laughs> and rule the, the universe. <laughs> it, it almost yeah. seems that way. Right, Leo. Well, I mean, this was already a concept that a few years before kind of Reagan had been announcing for the common threat, you know, what about if there was an alien invasion? Sure. That will unify mankind. Now, that concept, of course, was repeated, uh, clearly saying New World Order and doing it 10 years before uh, 2001 and the tragic events of 9-11. So... It was, of course, uh, uh, something in preparation, in preparation of uh, a bigger picture, a bigger picture uh, that is manifesting uh, after decades uh, with this uh, COVID-19 epidemic, pandemic, however you want to call it. It's definitely a, a farce uh, in the way they have grown it out of proportions, but let's not forget that in the next few months they might unleash the next stage of it, and that uh, might be uh, less of a farce uh, and, and, and even more draconian than now. My goodness, I hope not. The second wave is rumored to come, and Leo, I know we are coming up on a close here, but of course, in the earlier segment of this interview, you mentioned some sort of uh, uh, alien invasion. Can you expand about, uh, can, can you explain that? I mean, yeah, Mike, right. Uh, please explain. Well, uh, like I've uh, been uh, talking for years with various representatives of secret societies, of knighthoods and so on, every now and then I will hear this 2020 popping up with their certainty of some kind of alien contact or even alien invasion for some of the people that I had interviewed or talked with. And um, and then I went into the research of this uh, particular topic, and I found out that their interest is, uh, of course, uh, for uh, for since the beginning of time has always been to contact these entities from other dimensions, inviting them into our dimension, so they could. Uh, uh, 
get something uh, from them, achieve something uh, with their help. Now uh, they have uh, indulged uh, with CERN, as you know, and even attempting the opening of these uh, interdimensional gates. Uh, NASA has just proven that there is an alternative universe that is going backwards. We are in front of that leap also in human consciousness until we, in which we will realize that there is also other dimensions. And these other dimensions, of course, don't interfere with us if we don't invite them in our reality. And that was done usually through occult means. But then, of course, the whole thing started to open up more when mankind started to play with the nuclear forces, with the nuclear power, with the atom. That was the moment in which we start having the first big sighting soon after uh, the, 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 the nuclear explosions, of course, of, uh, that, we, that concluded the Second World War also in Japan, of course. Uh, then we have these first sightings that, uh, of course, occur also after people like Parsons, uh, who was close, Jack Parsons, who was close, who was working for what became later on NASA, right. but was also working for Alistair Crowley, was here in the Moabi Desert. Right there in Palm Springs, by the way, Jack Parsons. Parsons. Absolutely, right. here in Palm Springs, because here in Palm Springs there was an important movie colony, and the occult people back then were very much uh, interested in what he had to say um, once he joined this cult, because there is actually now a TV series that unfortunately ended abruptly after the second, uh, um, I think the, there was uh, two um, seasons, and then they have decided they, to interrupt the series. But if you go and see it, it was a CBS uh, series. It's done very well and it's very detailed about how Jack Parsons operated. So at the same time, we have people who have uh, dealings with the occult, but they have dealings also with science. This happened also during the Nazis, no? with the Vril, with this Vril society, with this Vril dam and these uh, women that will channel these, uh, uh, these communications from Aldebaran. So they found a way to communicate and to absorb that technical knowledge because the real knowledge became the knowledge later on of NASA once all those German scientists was, were brought into the U.S. with Project Paperclip. And, and so we, we find uh, later on a mix of these elements, always so science, the occult, and then we have also the religious element, and they all then will inevitably bring people also like Hubbard and his Scientology. Right. Uh, that is a plague on mankind, but unfortunately <laughs> it's also part of this whole thing. Everything, so, yes, everything intertwined somehow, and without Jack Parsons, uh, Neil Armstrong probably wouldn't have set foot on the moon. Yes, uh, and, and in the end, uh, what does it mean, though? Uh, did we go on the moon? To did we? Did what? we not? Exactly. Exactly. And, yes. And, and, and what we what we see in um, in the famous Stanley Kubrick film Space Odyssey, it's it's very it's very much what we are living now. The threat of artificial intelligence. In the end, not only the alien communication that arrives on Earth, not from the Moon, Mars, and the whole connection there, but what we have is Al Nine Thousand who becomes uh, <laughs> yeah. really mad and uh, starts. Uh, 
becoming a threat to, to the astronauts. So uh, these topics are very important. Why? Yes. Because uh, Space Odyssey, like the Exorcist, were actually based on uh, the same person who was a Jesuit, who was a Jesuit priest, and I talk about him in uh, uh, volume 6.66 because so for those who are for those people who are curious here they can go and get the book and uh, and follow up on that one very nice and of course you can find your books over at amazon.com or your website and mike go ahead i i I have a feeling you have a a question to ask go ahead mike what are you saying michael that your mind has conceived some sort of thought that perhaps you want to share with leo I'm sorry, Michael, but I cannot read. Comprehend? I, I, I screwed that up. Sorry. <laughs> you tried. I tried. I, I'm not good at impression. Sorry. I was That's trying okay. to do how. <laughs> That's all right. It's not an easy one. It's such a plain straight, uh, <laughs> ominous voice. But definitely, you see, what Stanley Kubrick always brought out was the very, the very heart of the elite uh, secret uh, uh, ideals, seek games, secret rituals. Uh, let's think about the last film he ever did, Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut, that's right. Great movie, by the way. Yeah, some people like it, some people say it's a little slow. I thought, I thought it was fine, though. I thought it was fine. Well, Kubrick's, all, Kubrick's, all Kubrick's films are really, uh, I mean, they're so deep. They're so sure. dark as well. I mean, he's, he was a great, great director. Yeah, and a year ago, uh, I actually arrived uh, at the airport of Denver. <laughs> oh, nice. And, uh, and I went then to uh, that uh, famous Stanley Hotel that inspired The Shining. Oh, you went there? Awesome. Well, of course, that was uh, near where my wife used to live, so I went there. And, uh, and I actually arrived in Denver in one of the worst uh, snowstorms of the last few years and with a car that I hardly knew I managed to go in the middle of the snow all the way out. It was like being in that famous scene in the Yeah. Show. Wow. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's pretty, pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, still uh, remember that uh, the weird horse that obviously we all know at the Denver airport uh, with the snow and the, the whole thing. Oh, yes. Uh, but to tell you the truth, uh, I found a lot of symbolism in that airport that was now blatantly displayed by these uh, den files, which are basically promoted uh, all over the airport. And they are done in a very creepy way in which they insinuate things. And they have like uh, manifestos uh, where they say, you know, since the airport opening in 1995, there have been endless rumors and theories. People say around the ground tunnels lead to top secret meetings, facilities, Illuminati, <laughs> these all kinds of things. You know? <laughs> it's awesome, and, though. Uh, yeah. And then you have, though, the, 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 the eye, and then you have uh, Denver's uh, creepy. The whole thing is pretty creepy. I mean, now they have substituted, apparently, I saw in an article, uh, somebody has showed that they have substituted, you remember those images that actually portrayed biological warfare? They did. There was a, they did. There was a guy, if you remember, with that uh, machine gun. The machine gun and a mask. Uh, 
Yeah. A big, uh, a big uh, kind of sword uh, on a dove, killing a dove, really weird. And he was wearing a mask, biology, biowarfare mask, with all these uh, women crying and weaving. And there was some kind the of little like, kids uh, crying. Yeah, there's a kid crying there, there holding something. So going through a rainbow as a symbol of Lucifer. Going through, so I mean, in all this, uh, with this, there was uh, the remains of these uh, buildings that were obviously destroyed. So it was an apocalyptic scenario, but uh, now has been substituted with even worse. Now they have put gargoyles instead. Yes. Wait, wait, I'm a little confused. What are you guys talking about? Oh, the Denver Airport. Denver Airport. There's a bunch of paintings. Oh. <laughs> There's a bunch I of them. This was like a horror movie or something. No, 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 no. no. This, it only this looks this like Denver one. Denver Airport, and I tell you, it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. So the old. Uh, the old image that we all know we were just discussing was already very ominous. But now the new one with the gargoyle, it's, uh, it's, it's even worse. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like they are aiming for really spooking people out uh, even more. I don't know why. And then they have even a, they have some kind of poster with a lizard guy. <laughs> yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a gargoyle for some reason inside and the airport. There's a, another poster say, are we creating the world's greatest airport or preparing for the end of the world? So when I got here in the U.S. a year ago, I felt at home. Sure. At Den- <laughs> Denver Airport immediately. In fact, my wife was dragging me out because I was like making photos with all these things. That's funny. And, and that's uh, you're, you're referring to uh, Christy, correct? Yeah, sure. Christy uh, who, uh, was there with me and uh, she wanted to go and pick up, of course, the suitcase and get on with it after such a long journey. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, it was uh, definitely an interesting scenario. <laughs> oh, no doubt. I hope she's okay out there with you. Absolutely. She's Perfect. enjoying it very much. We love living here in France, nice. especially after we arrived in Colorado with that snowstorm. Everything was so cold. It's too cold. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, being here definitely saves you a lot in heating bills. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Smart man. So, Leo, once again, I want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. I could talk to you for another hour, but I don't want to take any more of your time here. It's been a a lovely evening with you, Leo, and, and Mr. Mike Hideous, of course. Always an thank honor and pleasure to uh, speak to both of you. Uh, Leo, go ahead and plug anything you'd like before... Uh, you travel on here. And Mike, if you have any final questions, go ahead and throw them at Leo. Uh, I just want to say, uh, grazie, uh, Leo. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Ciao. Oh, thank you guys for joining me also on my side. And uh, for me to be your guest is always a pleasure. And uh, if uh, some of your audience uh, want to follow up on what I've been saying today, I will advise them to go and uh, read the, the articles that are published regularly on my website, leozagami.com. That's where I also publish the links to all my books. I just published a new edition last week of Volume 5, which includes a whole chapter of 140 pages on the CCP virus that uh, up until now has been proven completely super correct and has all the inside details of what uh, what really went on. Very until nice. the disappearance of the infamous Batwoman. And that's oh, it. Yes. And I leave it to, the, to there because then otherwise I spoil the reading for the kids. <laughs> yes, yeah, so then we'll go on for another hour speaking about the Batwoman, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, China has really screwed things up for us here in America and, yeah. and around the world. It's 
Oh my goodness. What, what else is to come here in 2020? I could only imagine. Leo Zagami, once again. My goodness. Thank you so much for being here. We'll do this again on the other side. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you very much. And uh, God bless you both, guys. God bless you. Yeah. Mahalo. Take care. Wow. And there he goes, Leo Zagami, ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause as a usual, always a honor and a privilege to uh, talk to our old friend, Leo Zagami. And Mike, wow, he was, he was interesting, man. Wow. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, right? No doubt. I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, I, I, I was lucky enough and, uh, to be a part of this interview. Thank you. Wow. I, I'm like in shock. Yeah. It's been fun. Lots of information to take in. And of course, Mike, I can't, I, I can't go forward to once again, uh, ask you here, Mike. I can't, I can't resist. I got to ask uh, what's going on out there with you and your state. Um, if you even know what's going on out there in terms of them trying to like slowly open up, uh, businesses. Well, you know, I went to the food store today. What happened? Um, they, well, they've got this system now. Let me, let me tell you, as yeah, I've ahead. mentioned to you, I am in a rural area of Pennsylvania. There are not a lot of people where I live. Okay. Sure. And uh, I don't even think uh, – I think in the entire county of, of Wayne County, Pennsylvania, I think we may – and don't quote me on this. I think we may have had about between 50 and 100 people that may have been uh, infected. Mm-hmm. That's that's a guess. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I can't remember what, what uh, it was listed. But that's not my point. Yeah, my it's point okay, though. I mean, it's okay, Mike, because no one knows any numbers for sure. That That's the crazy part about all of this. We don't even know if these numbers are even accurate. Right. And again, that, that's ahead. not my point. My, yes. my point was, you know, today I went to the store and they've got this new system now. Well, it's been in effect for about three weeks, to tell you the truth, where they line people up in this very long line mm-hmm. and then they set you up to a register, whether you're checking yourself out or you're going to a, uh, you know, a, a, a cashier. All I wanted to do was return these, these five cans of don't laugh. Chef Boyardee. Oh my goodness. <laughs> calm, calm down, Mike. You need to calm down. <laughs> Don't tell me to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> calm down. <laughs> so I, I, I bought them two days ago. I bought them two days and it, it turns out they're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. So why'd I you to buy that, back. Mike? Why'd you, why'd you buy that shit? I'll be perfectly honest for you. I'm trying to think ahead that in the event I needed food like to, to survive, that Chef Boyardee would would survive like a Twinkie. That, that, that's why I got them. that I'm, Italian. I'm not kidding. That Italian side is coming out of you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> calm down. So I, I no, don't tell me to calm down. So I went, <laughs> I went back to the store simply to return them to get something else. I didn't even want my money back. I walk up to the to the courtesy counter and they're like, and now mind you, I've been standing online for fifteen goddamn minutes. Oh boy. I walk up. I walk up to the. I walk up to the red to the uh, courtesy counter and I'm like, uh, all I want to do is just get something else. I don't even want my money back. They're like, oh no, we can't take returns. I'm like, Oof. what do you mean you can't take returns? Now they've got a policy. Anything you buy, that's it. You can't. You cannot return it. If you make a mistake, you're screwed. And that's it. And by the way, were people social distancing? Yeah, for the most part. I was behind this really good-looking girl, so I was trying to get close to her. Ah, okay. Well, Mike, i got to be honest with you. One of the segments I do here is called the Unpopular Opinion Hour, and I can't wait to do that with you. And, you know, one of them, well, one of those uh, sort of things that I state in the Unpopular Opinion Hour is I hate waiting in line. 
And I always have hated waiting in line because there's always some uh, schmuck, as they say, oy vey, uh, always, uh, you know, close to me, Mike. And it's like I could feel them breathing down my neck. So I'm hoping at least now, if there is a line, people can uh, sort of social distance away from uh, me personally. You know, I've always hated that, Mike, having some uh, guy or girl just right right in the back of my neck. I've always hated that. I, I don't care. You know, that that's so annoying and so... Ugh, I don't like that's that. Why I, that. That's why I check myself out. I don't stand on any more lines unless... Good for you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when I'm doing food shopping, if I do food shopping, I do my own checkout. I don't go online with anybody. I just do it myself. And I usually don't have to deal with any crackpot standing next to me. I've got enough room, you know. I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it is. Guy and uh, girl, both, they always have a habit of getting right behind me. And it's it's ugh, yuck. I had a situation once where I was in a, in a food store and this is before they had self checkout. So I'm standing online and this woman, <laughs> this woman is, she's got her cart and she's getting closer and closer. She's pushing me at this point. She's like pushing her cart up against my ass. And I'm like, I keep turning around. I'm a like, cat lady. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and she had a whole bunch of chef by our boy RD in her. No, I'm kidding. She's telling she, uh, What's she telling Mike? Maybe. Maybe. Let me tell you, if you're Italian, you don't eat Chef Boyardee. No, okay? no, they they have they're a lot more civilized than that, Mike. That's right. And for me being Italian, you think I'd have enough sense in, in my mind you, you not to buy that shit. Yeah, you just you just didn't know any better. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I bought it because I I was thinking ahead. I'm thinking if there's going to be some sort of like meltdown, maybe maybe Twinkies and Chef Boyardee will work for me. He never learns, boys and girls. He never learns. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this woman is like pushing – she's pushing her damn cart up against me. And at one point, like she clips my heels, oh, you know, shit. and I – like she did this three times. I turn around like, what the F is your problem, She's trying to body you, Mike. I'm like, back off, you know, just give me some room. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, you did it three times. <laughs> and every time I turned around and you look at me like, you know, it's not my fault. I they. So I almost punched her. But no, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You should have uh, elbowed her. I was going to flip her card over and take all her Chef Boyardee. Holy vey. <laughs> oh, boy. Dude, I got to ask you a question. What what exactly uh, was Leo talking about with this alien invasion thing? Are we talking like real alien invasion? You know, to be honest with you, he's been talking to another gentleman. I, I've been seeing his YouTube page, and he's been talking to another gentleman about UFOs all of a sudden. I'm not quite sure what sort of prompted Leo to be talking about that. Uh, but I mean, I, I, his mind has been on UFOs before and we, we talked very briefly about UFO, uh, ufology here on the show. Uh, but I didn't know he had that, that much of an interest in it. Interesting. Yeah. He talked about area 51 recently with uh, another researcher. Okay. Yeah. So again, I'm not quite. I, I should have asked him what it, what exactly, it, what it was that sparked his interest in, in the subject. Because well, I, I mean, it came out it, of left it, field. It, yeah, when it came out of left field like that, I, I was like, in, like, wow. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Sure. And people in the chat room are saying Project Blue Beam. Um, I'm not sure if you are referring to the uh, uh, the TV show that's been going on on the History Channel. Oh, is that about an alien invasion type thing? Well, that's Project Blue Book, rather, not Project Blue Beam. 
rather Project a different Blue, thing. Blue balls. Blue, yeah, Project Blue Balls. Maybe perhaps. <laughs> Maybe perhaps he's been watching the show uh, Project Blue Book, and maybe that sort of like intensified the sort of um, hunger and curiosity that he has for ufology. Perhaps that's what it was. I, I should have asked. Yeah, or that, or maybe Project Blue Book is to find out how much cars are worth. Or that too. <laughs> never know. I'm sorry, never know. I'm in a silly mood. Sorry. That's okay. It's all the Project Blue Ball talk. Blue Bull Talk, exactly. That's okay. So <laughs> Great my, name for a show. Oh, I know. <laughs> or a so, porno, one or the other. One or the other. And, of course, Mike, before we wrap up here tonight, of course, I have to hit you with the... Oh, um, uh, you're killing oh, me. I know. I, I got to do it, though, Mike. <laughs> I have to torture you before we go. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, here we go. He received... He received... Mike, you have healing. to. Yes. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I, I got it, man. I got it. Yeah. You have to take it, Mike. Uh, I'm taking it, it. I take right it. up the bum. I have it. I have it. It's mine. Like it a priest. Like I thank you and praise you for it. They like those double-ended swords, I Mike. If I have all against him. <laughs> the double-headed swords, rather. And I praise Ooh. you that I'm well and whole. Praise you. That That's going to give me some According heat. to the word of God. I probably shouldn't have said that, Mike. What? What? <laughs> the double-ended sword. I consider not <laughs> the, the double-headed sword, rather. <laughs> I consider not oh my symptoms God. in my body. I consider not symptoms, symptoms in my body. But only that which God has promised. Only that. Only you need God in your life, Mike. That's what it is. Yeah. Leo sounded very, very religious, you know? Well, he is kind of religious, Mike. That's the thing. Most real, like, pure Italians are. I yeah. Mean, I've been around Italian food. people all my trying. life in my or family. whatever else and kind of thing he's trying. Yeah. Uh, We're almost done here. <laughs> Heal and well. Yes. In the sweet name, name of Jesus. Jesus. Sweet Jesus, Mike. Sweet baby Jesus. Amen. Amen, baby. And now we feel great, don't we, Mike, after that? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I, feel, I feel corona-free. I feel cleansed, by the way, Mike. You know, I'm... Uh, coronavirus free. I'm diabetic free. I'm not a, um, cardiomyopathy victim at all. And that's what it seems like that is affecting, uh, the COVID-19 patients the most. If, if you contract COVID-19 and you are a diabetic, you might die. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going for a blood test. Actually, what's today? Uh, uh, I'm going Friday to make sure I don't have uh, diabetes. That's a good thing, man. I'm, I'm glad you're getting tested. Lots of good comedians have croaked because of uh, them being a diabetic. Well, you know, I have recently uh, done my best to cut out a lot of sugar in my diet. Good, uh, good, I good, was, good. Yeah, I was really... Um, I was bad. I was addicted heavily to sugar. You were um, being a you were being a radio guy. Is that what I was doing? Well, that's what I call it. You know, when I see a radio guy, he's kind of a, an obese sort of uh, individual, and oh, hence yeah. the name, um, a radio guy. You know, a TV guy is someone who's like in shape, uh, or a like comic book guy. Yeah, but you know, radio guy that means you're gaining weight. And Mike, I got to be honest with you. Um, you know, my hair is growing longer. I'm starting to look a little bit. Uh, a little bit homely. I'm starting to gain a little bit of weight here. I'm starting to look like a radio brother. guy now. Yeah, the, the quarantine. I'm putting on some quarantine pounds. Quarantine pounds is right. But you know what? You, I got to start working honestly out again. Speaking, and I'm not. I'm not criticizing you. You live in a warm state. You could be outside all the time and 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 go around doing. It's things. too hot though, Mike. It's too hot oh, during okay. the summer. 
But I mean, I, I would do... trade anything for you, brother, because I'll right. tell you, I spent the last five months in frigid weather, you know, yeah. every night dropping down to the 30s and the 20s, even the 10s. And I, I couldn't, I wouldn't even go outside. Now the weather's finally getting warm. I've been going out and I'm, I'm going to try to lose the weight that I gained over the winter. But you have no excuse, mister. Well, you know, I do work out. Do you? Oh, yeah, that's I'm good. Still that's good. I'm still in decent shape. Good for you. You probably beat my ass because I am I am out of shape, brother. I used to do the punching bag years ago. I have weird stamina that comes from uh, grappling for over 10 years. So my stamina is really weird. There, there could be times where I don't work out for a long time and I get back in there doing anything. And it, it's like I never left uh, doing anything. Like my, Good for you. My body just sort of adapts uh, yet again. That That's great. Great to hear. I really am happy for you because it's all about controlling your breathing. That's what I've learned. Indeed. Indeed. And, and, and you know what? I mean, you do have to watch your diet. You do have sure, to get some sure. exercise and, and eat right. And I, you've been eating like really, shit, huh? I was eating like shit. Like a radio guy. Exercising. Yeah. You've been a radio I'm guy. Sorry? I said, you've been living yeah. the life of, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. So, yeah, I'm trying to do my best to stay away from sugar as best as possible. I mean, I eat some, like, you know, eating a little, like, you know, maybe a piece of cake or something like that every once in a while, but no more candy. No more candy. No more, yeah, no more candy, no more, you know, sucking on sugar cubes. (laughs) No more milkshakes for you, buddy. No more milkshakes for me. No. And and also, I don't need a lot of, um, I don't need a lot of fast food either. Uh, Oh, that's good. That's good. once Once in a while, I'll crave, like, you know, like I'll crave like a Burger King or like, you know, something like that. But uh, very, very rarely, very rarely. A Burger King isn't so bad. Yes, it is. That's horrible. Well, well, that's true. You probably shouldn't eat <laughs> any fast food. really. Yeah, it's true. It's it's so Don't bad do it. for you. And, you know, that I mean, not to get off the subject, but to say real quick, if, if, if more Americans knew what the the um the slaughter farms were like with all these animals that they kill to make right. burgers and and chicken sandwiches and all maybe people would probably consider go, not eating as much shit as they do go vegan they might go vegan is that what you're saying uh, very possibly i think they'd go vegan if Oh, did we lose Mike? Their own animal. If they had to raise cows and goats and pigs and and chickens, all so that they can you know cut their heads off, uh, you know, and 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 slice them apart to make their own hamburgers, I think they'd, you'd have a lot more vegetarians in this country. Well, you get no argument from me. I think that's true. Are you a meat eater? You I, are, right? I do. Yeah, I, I still consume the meat, no doubt. I I love meat. So I, do I. I eat steak all the time. Not all the time, too, but eh? I mean, I, I you know, it's a regular thing for me. Right. And, 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 you know, for a long, long time, I hardly ever ate any. My one weakness was chicken, but I hardly ever ate red meat. Uh, and I always did my, like, you know, maybe once or twice a year, I'd have like a hamburger or something. Um, but now lately, I've had to eat a lot more meat um, to get the protein that I, I need to get from it. Um, I'm not proud of it. Uh, it is what it is. I, I try my best to not eat a lot of meat. Um, especially knowing all the hormones and, and stuff that they put into these and antibiotics that they put into these animals before they slaughter them. It's, uh, boy. 
I know it's a mess. So, Mike, once again, I want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. We'll do this again uh, very soon, Mike. I'll bring in another freak uh, for us to talk to, no (laughs) doubt. And, Mike, my God, it's always an honor and pleasure to have you here. Mike Hideous, ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause yet again. Uh, Mike, you've been doing a, a great job. Lots of people uh, do like you. Uh, some people definitely don't like you. Uh, some people, <laughs> some people definitely don't like me, though, Mike. It's nothing to uh, harp on. You know, well, I, I get heat I all the ask. time. I got, I got to ask. Now, when you say that, are you saying that like kiddingly? Are you saying like, are there people out there that really hate me? There's, it's a bit of a, a mixed reaction. No kidding. Are they telling you to get rid of me and that I suck? No, not, not, not exactly. Not exactly. Not in those words. To it. <laughs> well, maybe they they're flirting with the idea, but I mean, I get uh, that. I get that all the time, though. I mean, I get complaints about myself every day. All right. Well, I got a message for those people. Go screw. Only Michael's getting rid of me, not you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's right. No, Thank I agree. Though you know, I don't care if people complain. I mean, that's the fun of the show. Absolutely. If you're not getting heat, you're not doing it right. And if she's not crying, you're not doing it right either. You're not doing it right either. <laughs> That's right. That's true. <laughs> That's true indeed. And uh, Mike, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. I Thanks. had a great time. It's always educational, right? Yeah, this was a great show. I really, really enjoyed Leo's company. Uh, he is very intelligent. He, and you know what? I, I, I asked that first question. Not to take up too much time here, but I asked that first question to him about right. what he thought about the president and the government. And and then when I followed up with the question about, you know, what would you say to other people who think that the president's doing bad? And, you know, his answer blew me away. He, he said, uh, and I quote, those people should go and live in Italy for a while and see what it's like having people bang on your door and telling you what you can and can't do. So that was phenomenal. That was great. Amazing. Once again, thank you so much, Mike. Go ahead and plug anything you like. Thank you, buddy. Uh, okay. Um, as usual, my website for art and photography, horribleartwork.com. My musical musical efforts, uh, MikeHideous.com, and Mike is uh, M-Y-K-E, and my Facebook is Hideous. Mike, M-Y-K-E. My uh, sincere gratitude and thanks to Michael and everyone listening out there and to our guest, uh, Leo Zigami. Zigami. There you go. Uh, So, yes. And uh, so, yes. Thank you, everyone. And Michael, thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. No doubt. Mahalo. And ciao, Bella. Bye-bye, my friend. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only uh, Mike Hideous. And, of course, as we take it home here tonight and before I pull this Larry Silverstein style, I do want to thank all of you out there for being a part of the program. It's always nice to see all of you out there. And, of course, the mods, thank you very much. Don't forget, if you are a fan of the program, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And that is where you can find me. Going one-on-one with all sorts of walks of life. The last episode I did was with Oli Damagard. And I think I just might release that for free for all of you out there. Yes, round two, Michael, indeed. Um, we will return, though, no doubt. And it has been a great show so far. And we are coming to a close, so I do appreciate all of you out there. And, of course, the international listeners out there, too. Really like them. 
I get lots of emails from people all uh, all around the world, rather, and in uh, Canada, the UK, Germany, and of course Australia. Lots of people out in Norway all of a sudden. That's a bit surprising. And uh, the Germans have always been very, very nice indeed. Oh yes, the Germans, great people, and of course the Brazilians out there too. Nice folks. It's been a Tom Talent show yet again, and I do want to thank Mykidius for being here, and of course, Leo Zagami. It's been fantastic, and of course, there's nothing more frightening than reality, as I always say here before I close up. I hope you well out there, no matter where you are on this island Earth. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. mysterious place and life itself is a mystery the mystery the michael deacon Oh boy is right. I already have a headache.